Welcome to the Fortune Management Practice Mastery Podcast. Each episode, we bring you powerful conversations with thought leaders in the dental, veterinary, optometry, and medical industries. At Fortune Management, we coach doctors and teams to have an extraordinary practice and an extraordinary life. I'm Kim McGuire, the host of the Practice Mastery Podcast. My guest today is Bonnie Hickson, the founder of the Progressive Dentist Magazine, a magazine dedicated to strong, profitable, and high-quality dental practices. One of Bonnie's passions is practice differentiation, and in this episode, we discuss how dental practices can hone their vision to create a unique brand, and practice differentiation may not be what you think. And now, here's our conversation with Bonnie. Welcome, Bonnie. Thank you, Kim. It's great to be here. It's wonderful to have you. I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast because I think you have some amazing information for our listeners as far as dental practice differentiation. Uh, I think that you've got a wonderful spin on it. And many people might think that they are differentiating themselves. Um, however, maybe after the listen of this episode, they'll realize that they need to do a little more homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we'll all learn something in the process, right? Absolutely. So, uh, Bonnie, as I mentioned in, in the intro, you are the founder and publisher of the Progressive Dentist magazine. Tell me a little bit about your history in healthcare and dentistry and how you came to found the magazine. Sure. Um, so I I started in dentistry 23 years ago, and I will admit that it was somewhat unintentional, and I thought it was temporary. But 23 years later, I'm still here and and really enjoying every minute of it. Although my background was in business and marketing, I initially entered the healthcare market by working uh, in a hospital, and unfortunately, I hated it. I hated every minute of it, and as often happens, sometimes opportunities or circumstances present themselves that make us make a choice. And I went to work one day and there were chains on the door of the hospital. It was bankrupt. It was closed. Oh, and no. yeah, none of us had jobs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was a perfect opportunity to say, okay, what do I do with this? And as luck would have it, there was a company in the dental industry that was looking for a sales and marketing director. And I thought, you know, I can do that. I'll, I'll apply for that. I'll do it for a little while and then I'll get back into a hospital. And as, as we went along, I realized that dentistry is full of some of the most giving, caring, compassionate people who are brilliant and have a purpose. And I've just never wanted to leave. So here I am. Absolutely. That's great. Well, you know, it's funny. We were just, I was with a group of consultants just yesterday. Some of the folks that belong to the ADMC, we get together about once a quarter and we were all talking about that, how we either fell into dentistry or we were a kid of a dentist. But once you kind of get into the field, you are surrounded by a wonder, wonderful groups of people. Um, it's a very giving um, profession and it really changes lives. So that's awesome. I love it. So true. So true. And then you, through your career, you've recently founded this magazine. Tell us about the magazine. So the Progressive Dentist is um, something that I am just so happy to be at a point in my career where this has all come together the way it has. After working with dentists in different capacities for so many years, 
there was just this underlying and consistent awareness that as great as they are clinically and proficient um, at the at what they do professionally, the business side of running a practice is often what so many of them struggle with, and rightfully so. Uh, all of the years of education and, and all of the things that they've done to develop their clinical skills, a business background was never a part of that. So for the most part, we're learning on the fly. We're just kind of doing the best we can to incorporate systems and, and make it work. And so I just, I just realized that there is such an opportunity to help develop a strong foundation on the business side of the practice. And that's what we do. That's what we talk about. And so the business side of of dentistry, of course, and yes, they don't learn that in dental school, (laughs) Um, but it also sounds like from the title of your publication and from what I've read, it's really about those practices that are on the cutting edge that are progressive, that are sort of pushing the envelope. Is that who you're attracting? It's that's really true. It's a good description of our of our um, community. So, it's it's a combination of dentists from across the U.S. and you know some international dentists as well uh, from Canada and the U.K. and in several other areas. But I will say that the vast majority of our subscribers have been in practice for at least five years. Uh, I think it takes that long sometimes to know what we don't know. <laughs> And yep. start to develop those questions about, okay, what next? What should I do? Um, so, you know, at least five years as a general rule, but some of them for as many as 35 years in practice. And they're just really constantly working on the business and, and wanting to challenge themselves and, and become more and better at what they do. So um, I would say, you know, maybe, maybe entrepreneurial de- dentists who want to stay ahead of the curve and continue to learn and improve. And I'm excited that, that that's really what we've become as a resource to help dentists and their teams to do exactly that. Wonderful. Well, that's so aligned with who Fortune Management is. As you know, we coach doctors and teams uh, who really want to go to that next level and who want to be entrepreneurs or, or they think that way or possibly working with us, they end up thinking that way. So that's terrific. So let's, let's talk a little bit about big picture. What do you see, Bonnie, happening in the dental industry today? There's so much going on. And of course, the industry is, as always, is evolving. And maybe one of the most important things that I see is that dentists are becoming less isolated as healthcare providers and maybe in many cases becoming more active participants in their patients' healthcare teams. I think it's encouraging to see that there's a lot of doors opening and and so many opportunities for dentists to put their their talents and skills out there in the community well before there's an issue of, you know, I'm in pain and I've, you know, that's the only reason I would come to a dentist is because I'm in pain. There's there's a, a bigger picture here that I see evolving and it's really encouraging to see. So are you talking about dentists working more with physicians and other MDs? in a whole health approach? Is that what you're referring to? We see a lot of that. There's a lot of, of dentist-physician relationships being cultivated. I think that more dental practices are are becoming maybe more of an educational resource and a preventive resource. So it's not just, you know, as I said, it's not just a, I have to make an appointment with my dentist because I've got a toothache, but it's it's becoming more top of mind as a part of their overall healthcare program. So that's, that's really encouraging to see. 
it, it kind of goes back to, I always say that we're finally, the general public is realizing that the mouth is connected to the rest of the body. So exactly. And, and obviously, as we know, patients are becoming more educated with more information about the systemic health risks with a periodontal disease in the mainstream media, things like that. Can you speak to that? It's definitely um, part of what's driving that conversation. No matter where you look as a as a patient or as a, a person in the in the general population, we're seeing all sorts of information, whether it's on the internet or on the newsstand, and you know, the maybe on the front of tabloids standing in the supermarket line. We're seeing a lot more information about how oral health relates to overall health and how diet and nutrition are also associated with dental function and and health. And the conversation continues everything from that to oral cancer, to diabetes, to the prevention of heart attacks and stroke. All of those conversations are being connected back to oral health and dentistry, which I think is really, really a positive shift for us. It gives us a lot better opportunity to engage with our, with our patients and, and become that resource to educate and inform and keep them healthy. Yes. And I think the dentists also have got to make those relationships with the, the MDs to educate them. Cause I think sometimes there isn't as much education on the other side. Um, are you seeing that also with sleep apnea? Is that another area that they're connecting Oh, definitely. Um, sleep apnea is a, is a great example of how important it is to develop relationships between the dental practices and physicians. Dental practices, whether it's the dentist themselves or whether it's the hygiene team, we're in a position to identify not only the uh, effects of other illnesses, but we're also in a position to prevent and identify risk factors. So what you may see during a, a routine visit from a patient on an annual exam um, could be great indications of other health issues, whether it's nutrition related, whether it's um, you know key indicators that you might see that are related to um, oral cancer or at least abnormalities in the mouth. It could be diet and nutrition. It could be a, um, an obvious sign of, of sleep apnea. There's so many things that we're positioned in a way in dentistry to identify early and detect and, and then start to develop a, a course of treatment or action for a patient that um, you know, they, they may not have those opportunities if they're not seeing a, a physician on such a regular routine basis. Absolutely. That's actually what I was just thinking, that people actually see their dentists more than they might see their general doctor by far, unless they have a specific health issue that's going on. Um, so true. Yeah. And our, of course, dentistry has been great with keeping people in that cycle of at least every six months, or at least we, we work on it. <laughs> we try to be, <laughs> um, but I think that the MDs have a lot to learn from us in that area. So it behooves us to make sure that we're looking at the whole body, the whole body health there. I think the more we educate the public on that, and you mentioned that being, you know, something that you see in mainstream media as well. I think the more we educate the public in our individual practices about the the fact that there are so many opportunities to be preventive and proactive in your healthcare and that that may start with a visit to your dentist, I think physicians in general are starting to see a lot of that opportunity and maybe not everywhere. I, I still see that there's a divide between physicians and dentists, but I do see more and more physicians 
readily accepting um, invitations to connect with their dentist and and the the opportunity to partner with them for the benefit of the patient. So that's a really, really positive thing that's happening today. Absolutely. I love it. So let's let's jump into what do you see as some of the challenges that are facing dentists um, in private practice today? If we really look at the the elephant in the room uh, about what people's main concern is right now, I think there's definitely some skepticism, some hesitation, and maybe some nervousness about the evolution of corporate dentistry. And yes, there's there's a convergence of this type of a practice in a lot of areas across the country. But I think we can safely agree that the sky is not falling on solo practitioners. <laughs> it's it's not the end of the game. The rules have just changed. Absolutely. They, they have changed. So how have things changed as far as marketing a dental practice? I think it's it's just maybe a, a piece of, just like in every other area of the practice, patients are more educated now. They're more savvy. Um, they're all in businesses of their own, and they know a marketing ploy when they see it. So the old, you know, there, there was a day that you and I both remember when as a dentist, you just didn't market. It was, it was unheard of and it was certainly frowned upon to do any sort of active marketing or promotion of a practice. Um, then I think for a while we, we kind of did something completely opposite where we did a lot of really heavy marketing, um, sometimes unfortunately to the extent that it looked contrived and it maybe was a little manipulative yes. and- I'm glad, really, really glad to see us moving beyond that into more of a socially responsible, collaborative, supportive way of, you know, our marketing is now more about educating. It's more about including patients in this conversation about wellness and and being healthy and longevity and all of those things. So our marketing has certainly changed in the tone Mm -hmm. and in the tactics that we use. Absolutely. I always think about my dad who started his practice in the mid 70s. Um, and of course, throughout the 80s and 90s, you would have never, you know, advertised. Marketing wasn't even a part of it. It was just you put the sign on the door and that's what that's what you did, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and now it's, you know, it's it's a different landscape. Things have changed. And I think it's just a matter of knowing your community and what the need is in your specific demographic and then identifying those opportunities to provide what they need and and be partners with them in their healthcare. Absolutely. So actually, let's dive into that. Let's dive into some practice differentiating um, areas. So first, it sounds like a doctor would have to figure out what does make what makes he or she different, right? Absolutely. It's, you know, this is, this is, as we already established and everyone's aware, it's a, it's a changing landscape right now. And especially if you're concerned about the influx of corporate dental practices or, you know, maybe just a highly competitive market, um, it's important to know your competition, but not be threatened by it. I think it's really important to understand how you, how you fit into the whole dynamic of your, your area and then work with what you have to create the practice that you want. So how does a doctor figure that out? What are some of the questions they might ask themselves? I think it's really important to start with a vision. And that's something that has to start with the doctor. You have to start with 
a vision of ultimately what type of practice do you want to be? What do you want to provide that's different or unique in terms of, you know, maybe what other practices are doing in the area? And um, again, that has to start with the doctor. That's his vision, her vision, and then something that as you, you know, develop the mission of the entire practice, there's a, there's a buy-in from the team and how they want to see themselves as a part of that vision and making it become a reality. Yes. And I think it's also about discovering their passion. What are they passionate about? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So you, you really have to um, establish your own vision and decide you know, at the end of the day, when you've gone home after a full day in the practice, what were you able to do that made you feel good about what you accomplished? How did you impact the lives of, of the patients who walked through the door? Um, was that, con- that experience consistent? And is it something that you're passionate enough about to want to get up and do it again tomorrow? I love that. When you go home at the end of the day, what made you feel good about what you did? And, you know, it's so simple, yet it's so profound because I think the doctors can get caught up in the minutia of all the things that happened in the day. However, to focus on that one question, what made you feel great today? What impact did you make on people? That's what they're passionate about. Exactly. And everyone has that one thing. And it may be several things, but everyone has something that brought them into this industry to begin with, that gave them a reason to want to provide dental care for patients. And if, you know, I think that's the the biggest challenge initially is to establish what that is and then find a clear and concise way to, to convey that vision to the team and then give them ways to plug into that vision and become a part of making it a reality and a daily mission. Absolutely. And I think, I think also getting the doctor to really hone in on what their values are and determining what's most important to them in their practice mm-hmm. and, um, and how they want to execute on that. So let's talk about some different areas that you've seen where practices have differentiated themselves. What's some examples? Maybe we can pick three um, where there's sure. practices that you know that have differentiated themselves and how they've done that. Well, let's let's start with one that comes to mind. And, and she comes to mind specifically because she is uh, the doctor on the cover of our new edition that people will begin to see soon if they're subscribing to The Progressive Dentist. But Dr. Amanda Canto in the Houston, Texas area is a prime example of what it looks like to be a practice established around the the concept of prevention and education. She's fantastic about that. And her community is a big part of her practice and vice versa. Yes, I know. Well, we love Dr. Amanda Canto. In fact, she was on an earlier edition of this podcast talking about oral cancer screening. She's so passionate. And that's so great. She's going to be on the cover of your magazine. How fun. Yeah. Oh, she's, and she's, she's tremendous. I, th- I think anyone who wants to see an example of what living your true passion in dentistry is, um, is, is someone who could learn a lot and really be inspired by spending a day with her in her practice. Um, they do focus a lot. And I know that she's, you know, part of what we talk about in the interview with her is that fortune management has been a big part of her practice for a long time. And she has not always had the practice she wanted. She was um, at one point in her career ready to throw in the towel and just say, I, I can't do this. It's not what I want. It's not ever what I imagined. And then to see her today in a position where she's not only successful, but she's happy. 
She's um, really seen as a, as a resource and a leader in her community because she takes care of patients and they, they in turn take care of her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also, by the way, she won't mind me saying this because we'll talk about it in the magazine as well, but she's also newly engaged. So I mm-hmm. think um, you know, when we're happy, we find happiness. And, and that's exactly what's happened um, as a result of her finding out what her true values and and vision for her practice was. And then she went out and made it happen. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, we're, of course, about extraordinary practice, extraordinary life. So I'm so happy for her. And she's coached by our wonderful colleague and friend, Paige Haynes, down in Houston, Texas. And so they've done a great job with, with that practice. And so she, obviously, her passion around education and prevention just kind of oozes through the practice. Can you, <laughs> can you give us some examples of how that, how she executes on that differentiating factor in her practice? Yeah. So she's, she's engaged in her community in a lot of different ways. And as you know, um, especially if you've done another podcast with her, you know that oral cancer screening and detection is a, is a big part of what she does in her practice. And there's a lot of debate amongst practices right now on how to in- implement uh, oral cancer screening and, and detection protocols. And one of the biggest questions is how do you bill for it? How do you get reimbursed? And um, while this is a much bigger conversation and one I'm happy to have one-on-one with anyone who who wants to discuss it further, um, she has decided to take that financial question out of the equation because this is so important to the foundation of her practice that every patient who walks through that door at least on an annual basis, gets an oral cancer screening. And they know what, they know why, they have the conversation. And as you probably um, covered in your podcast, they do the whole conversation about sex, drugs, and oral cancer. And what are your risk factors? And what are the things that that can affect all of these things? And why, even if you're 17 years old, why are we looking for this? So that's a huge piece of the way that she differentiates her practice. Yes. Yes. She, she talks a lot about having those sometimes tough conversations with her patients and doing it in a fun way um, that gets them engaged. I also think she's probably made the financial investment in the technology to have a oral cancer screening device in every operatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, she's educated her team members on this so that they are, I think, as passionate as she is. Absolutely. That's, that's all a part of the, the full strategy for them. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when people look at using this as a, as a practice differentiator or as a, as a tool to attract new patients, people get immediately, whether you're genuinely interested in their overall health and well-being, or if it's just, a, you know, if it's again, like we talked about in, in some older marketing techniques, that it's just a way to get them in the door. She, she does care about them and, you know, she does everything from educating them when they're in the practice to doing programs at, at area schools to educate on the risks of oral cancer. Um, she's done, you know, like 5k runs in her community to have another opportunity to engage with, with her there. And, and she's got such a strong relationship with her patients that I know that she had team members and patients alike who either ran with her at a recent event or were there waiting for her at the finish line. So she's she's really got a great, strong connection to the community. So it's obviously in her practice with technology. She's educated her team members, so they're all speaking the same language to, to help the patients understand how they're different. 
She's out in the community. Yeah, she goes to schools, races. She also will go to churches and she will do oral cancer screening on you know everyone at the, who comes to the Sunday service. Mm-hmm. I also have noticed by following her on Facebook and uh, seeing her website that she's very m- much into using social media and the power of video. You know, just absolutely a, a, a couple of minutes or, or less than a minute video on helping people understand. And I think that's huge. Understand where she's coming from, um, so the general public can can really see what she's all about. You know. I think, and you know, and and as far as the topics that we talk about in the progressive dentist, it's everything from leadership to practice differentiation to marketing to you know all of these issues that deal with with developing a practice's business. Um, but I think any practice right now who doesn't primarily have a great website, and by great, I do not mean that it has to be expensive. I mean that it has to be. Um, clear and it has to give a, a, a really good indication of who that dentist is because people always, you know, that's, that's your first focus is the, about the dentist. They want to know who they're seeing, but using video on a website is one of the most inexpensive in the long run and effective ways that you can connect with your prospective patients and really give them a, a look at what you're what you're passionate about. So, using Dr. Canto as a as another example here, her videos you'll see everything from the of course the oral cancer screening that she does, and the mission trips that she's been a part of, the races that she's run. Um, you'll also see that she's really really actively involved in treating the veteran population. She does so much for our our military members and their families. And I admire that. There's so much missing in so many areas of of our communities. And that's that's an area that she's just really, really actively looking to plug in and be be a help. Absolutely. So more ways that she differentiates herself. And of course, you know, you add more value to people and the money will follow. So I love that. Great. So Let's, Bonnie, let's talk about another example of how a practice has differentiated themselves. What's another kind of category that you might see? I would say one of the, the more popular and maybe a fun way to, to establish a practice that's a little different or unique in an area is to create what may be known to some as a concierge practice. Some call it a spa practice or a spa-like environment. Um, Dr. Mandy Holly is another example of someone who has created a practice that, of course, it's it's beautiful to walk into. There's a great feeling the minute you walk in, and it does have that kind of spa type of a feel. It smells good. The aromatherapy is there. There's there's all of those sorts of influences, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's really about providing a full uh, total wellness approach to making sure that, you know, I know in, in many cases, it's the patients that she attracts that are um, maybe fearful or have had previous dental experiences that have them extremely anxious or apprehensive about being there. So they work on providing time with the patients to find out what they really want, what they're really after, and making sure that they're comfortable. It's not a quick hurry up and get in and get out. Um, but it's actually building extra time into the schedule to make sure that those particular patients who need a little more time to get comfortable can actually do that. Um, they use technologies like NuCalm and, and 
homeopathic or natural methods to, to relax the patient and get them ready to accept treatment. And, um, so there's, there's a lot of different examples of the way that you can create that type of a practice as well. Interesting. So again, some of the technologies and some of the techniques might be different, uh, scheduling. So are they, are they attracting then fearful patients or maybe the fearful patients are referring their friends who are also fearful? That's that exactly, okay. yeah, that's exactly what's mm-hmm. happening in a lot of cases in a, in a practice like this. Um, maybe that's not by, maybe it's not intentional that those are the patients that you're going after, but if you provide the right kind of environment, and again, video is critical to being able to establish that environment and the mood and the feel to a practice before a patient ever comes in the door, they need to have a sense that, okay, this is a place I can be comfortable. And, you know, from what I can see about this doctor, I really like him or I can relate to her. She seems to be on the, you know, on a, on the same wavelength as I am in terms mm-hmm. of what I'm looking for. So the video and the the imagery is is so important to give them a real uh, expectation. And then I think the most important thing you can do beyond that is to make sure that whatever expectation you've, you've set that you have met when they leave that practice. So, you know, providing a consistent appearance or uh, experience so that the patients have the type of, of an appointment that they expected um, and you've either met or exceeded their goals for it, but it's every time they come back, it needs to be consistent. It needs to be um, a comfortable place where they know what to expect and, and are always pleasantly delighted instead of disappointed when they leave. Right. Okay. So it's so much more than having a pretty practice and flowers in the reception area. <laughs> that's that's all just icing on the cake, yeah. but none of it matters if you don't treat them well and provide them with the quality of care that they came for. Absolutely. And some people associate a spa-like practice with maybe um, massage or some other you know, facials and things like that. Is that what you're also talking about when you say a spa-like practice? I've, I've seen that in a lot of ways. And for some people, it's just a natural. And again, you know, that's, that's going to be dependent on your own demographic. Something that may work like that on Fifth Avenue in New mm-hmm. York sure. may not work very well in Nebraska. It may not work very well in a, in a, you know, a highly concentrated military type of, of a demographic. So you really have to know the people in your community to understand what they value and what they will embrace in terms of what you're, what you're offering. So, um, there's a difference maybe between a concierge type practice and a spa practice, although they're, they're grouped together and they're the same category most Mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, there's, there's different practices where I've seen everything from, um, the massages, as you mentioned, to maybe even having a, a place for mom to get a manicure while she's waiting for a child who's in the chair. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of things like that, that if that's, if that's something that your patient base will support, then absolutely give them a, give them a way to feel comfortable and, and pampered while they're there, but it won't work for everyone. So it's just a matter of really understanding where you are and, and, you know, are you a, are you a blue collar type of a, a practice or you are more of your patients, more white collar, maybe coming from the financial sectors or from, from business areas of, you know, um, corporate facilities for BMW and that type of thing. It really just depends yes. on who's around you. Yes, absolutely. We have some 
doctors who are providing uh, like Botox and Juvederm and things like that, which I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's even legal in all the states. Um, And that, of course, would not work for other practices. So I think the whole knowing your demographic goes back to that earlier conversation we had regarding your vision. It really has to match your demographic. Um, it does. And, yeah. and Kim, you made a great point in that, you know, what works in, you know, what works in one area may not work in another. The, the laws are different from state yes. to state. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge variance still in what services can be provided by an assistant or by a hygienist from state to state. So you really have to understand really, really well what your limitations might be and what your opportunities are. And that's, you know, something that I I always encourage our dentists to work with um, consultants and experts in different areas of the practice that know the things that they don't. So I know that's part of what, what you help your clients to do is make sure that they're playing by the rules and maximizing that opportunity rather than, um, you know, maybe doing some things that are going to be difficult to work around in the future. Yes, absolutely. So we have the uh, education and prevention example. We've got sort of the concierge or spa-like type of practice. What's a third example of a practice that would be differentiating themselves? I've seen some really interesting practices recently that are very niche. Uh, They're very specific in terms of the, the services that they provide where you know a lot of practices are still it's going to be a general or a cosmetic practice that is then enhanced by other services there are what i call a specialty practice that is evolving in dentistry and it may be that their their focus is a wellness type of a of a model where they have multiple specialists under one roof but they're all independent dentists it it may be that there's um, even physicians in the the same complex, so to speak, that, that focus on wellness. And so there's, you know, there's the screening, there's the prevention, there's the, the cosmetic and, and restorative functions of the dental practice, but there's also maybe, um, a nutritionist on site. There might be, um, one of the, the really fun conversations I'm just getting into with some of our our experts for an upcoming edition are, you know, there's an integrative pharmacist who's really talking about, okay, so here's a patient with some health challenges. And it was the dentist who first realized that there were effects of maybe some competing medications, uh, medications mm-hmm. that, you know, a physician would often catch. Sometimes they don't because there's no connection between different providers. And so um, again, a dentist being in the first and, and early detection position to be able to identify that hey, something's not quite right here. So I think that type of a, of a model is definitely one that we'll see becoming more prevalent and more popular in a lot of areas. Um, wow, that's so interesting. So it's a specialty practice, but not in the traditional sense of ortho, perio, oral surgery, endo. It's more of a completely out-of-the-box specialty. Exactly. And there may be under one. And again, the reason I like this is because it allows dentists to still remain entrepreneurial. It, re, it allows them the opportunity to still own and manage their own practice, but they have collaborative relationships with maybe maybe an oral surgeon, maybe a periodontist, maybe there's a, a, a pedo practice that takes care of the, the younger patients. But there's also a nutritionist. There's also a, um, a pharmacist. There's also all of these different things that, 
a patient can stay right in, in one environment and get some connected guidance on how to manage their health and, and, you know, whatever issues they may be facing. So I think we've only begun to see the very beginnings of what this can be, but it's, it's encouraging. And I know that the dentists who are doing this are, are really being met with high levels of acceptance and appreciation for it. I, I would imagine, because because I think that even just speaking with friends and people that I know, people will be frustrated with, you know, this doctor doesn't know what this doctor is doing if they're being treated by multiple different practices where this is sort of under one roof. And then, like you said, the dentist can be the entrepreneur or the visionary for having this whole wellness center. Exactly. Oh, and so, so they're, they're leading the charge for, mm-hmm. for, you know, for health and well-being, um, but they're still a key component of providing the needed and necessary and high-level dental care that they, they've always wanted to provide. So it's a good opportunity to, to really just look, and it goes back to that whole vision. What do you want to be known for? Mm-hmm. What's, what is that one thing that when a patient hears your name, what do they think about? Why would they come to you? And if that's not immediately clear, uh, it may be a great time to go back to that vision and refine it and solidify it for yourself communicate it to your team, and then learn about the, the steps that are going to be necessary to communicate it to your community. Yeah. So let's talk about communicating to your team. I think that's, I often will hear that from doctors, you know, I know what I want. However, I don't know if my team knows, or they don't know how to execute it. Or you'll hear from the team members, we don't know what Dr. So-and-so wants, you know. So let's <laughs> talk a little bit about, and this is really a leadership conversation, but let's talk about how the doctor can talk to their team member about what their expectations are, what they want. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to let a lot of people off the hook now and say that if you don't feel that you're a good communicator and you're not clear with your team on what you want, they don't know what you expect. You are not alone. This is not typically Mm. a skill that dentists come into the profession understanding. And, you know, suddenly you've come from uh, years of clinical education and all of a sudden you have, an office full of team members to get on board and and more often than not, they're women. So there's another complicating factor that we have to learn how to lead. And that's a, that's a great example of, you know, one of the topics that we talk about in the progressive dentist, because that's an ongoing challenge. You can't, you can't take one leadership course and suddenly be an expert at it. Um, I'm going to say that probably the best investment that you can make in your practice is in continuing education that's not clinical. And that may be by hiring a consultant to come in and help you refine that vision and, and, and build some leadership skills. Um, for many dentists, they not only don't feel comfortable in the role of you know, public speaking and, and doing all these sorts of things and don't even want to do that. And if that's the case, then you better have somebody really strong on your team who can take that role for you. Absolutely. I love that. So honing in on their, what their ideas are and then communicating that to the team. And I also think it's a, as they go, acknowledging where we've done great, acknowledging where we haven't done so well so that they can build on that and, and master their skills and whatever the differentiating factor is. Definitely. And it's, it's a matter of being able to be really clear with yourself initially, and it doesn't have to be fancy. The words don't have to be eloquent. You just have to know how to communicate your vision 
you know, understand it yourself. Be really, really specific. It can't be just a vague feeling about what you want to achieve. You need a clear vision for yourself. And then you've got to come up with a great way to translate it to your team. And if, if you don't feel that you've been um, good at making that happen, then bring in someone who is. Bring in someone who has a sole purpose of establishing leadership and, and vision within a practice to help you communicate that to the team so that there's no question what they expect from you and what their, what their role in the overall mission is. Yeah, that kind of goes along with just the whole idea that I think the younger dentists know this, not this is nothing against the older dentists, but I think the younger ones know that they don't know it all. So you do sometimes need to hire a marketing expert, an HR expert, a consultant for the business side, you know, a, a great manager who could maybe help lead the charge and whatever it is so that they can be great clinicians and they can really um, do the great dentistry. However, that doesn't le- get them off the hook to actually have to pay attention to what's happening in their practice. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. They're never off yeah. the hook for that. They are the, they are the dentists. They are in charge. But I think it's important just to maybe, maybe one thing to give people some peace of mind about is that many dentists are entrepreneurial by nature and love learning to run a more productive, profitable, streamlined practice. For those who don't, it's just important to build a network and have trusted people within your circle who can help you to develop that while you focus on the clinical development of the practice. So, you know, do we have to be all things to all people? No, I don't, I don't think that we effectively can be. And I am, um, I'm a firm believer that we need to focus on the things that we're really, really good at instead of trying to build skills that we really don't have. Um, I think you focus on what you're great at. You focus on where the passion is and then bring people in to support you in the areas that you're, that you're maybe not as, as expert as you'd like to be. Absolutely. Yep. I love it. So Bonnie, what, what do you think our listeners could put into action today that would, that would make the biggest difference in their practice? I think they can ask themselves just a few key questions. And that first one is just, what is my true vision for the practice? How do I want to be known? If you don't know that yourself, then it's time to be really, really clear and put it down on paper and scribble out some things that, that might be a direction that you want to see your practice to grow in. If you're not clear for yourself, you can't be clear for others. So really just get in touch with what that vision for the practice is. And, and I think what we, what we said earlier with thinking at the end of the day, what made me feel really good about today or what made me feel great about the impact I made, you know, with a patient, maybe even thinking about that every day on your drive home, you know, it's the power of mm-hmm. powerful questions. And it's, it is the questions we ask ourselves, I think, yes. that are the most important and give us the best results. So it's, it's got to start with you. It's all about you and how you feel. You know, you, if you gave yourself a report card at the end of the day, how'd you do? And, you know, once you're really, really clear and specific about either, yes, this is me, this is what we do, this is the vision and it's clear, or maybe this is a great time for a reinvention. We've kind of been struggling. There's really not a lot of passion in the practice right now for what we're doing. So it's time to find one. Um, this is, you know, there's, there's no magic date to start over or to redefine or to grow. So I, I think this is a, you know, it's a great way to start that conversation. And then once you know what that is, how do you, how do you assign active roles and get buy-in from your team so that they can achieve 
their own milestones and, and goals to support that overall vision and create an ongoing mission to accomplish it. Yes. And I love that putting the accountability in place is terrific. And I think also like attracts like. So if you're passionate about something, you will eventually attract a whole slew of team members that are passionate about it with you, whether they knew they were passionate about it or not. And they'll be excited to work with the practice that is fulfilling in that. And, you know, the sky's the limit. Then who knows what's going to, what that particular team member is going to do. They may end up become leading the charge, you know, with this, with this particular differentiating factor. So that's true. And it's, and, and I, I will venture to say that while everyone wants to be well compensated for the job that we do, we all want to be able to make a living where we live mm-hmm. a, a comfortable lifestyle. The, um, you know, giving a, giving a team member a raise is not always the first thing on their list. They want to be fulfilled in their job they want to know that they're important to the practice and that they're actually doing something to, to enhance the people around them. So giving them a sense of purpose and then holding them accountable for that, recognizing their contribution, those are all things that we can do on a daily basis to really create that top-notch experience in a practice and go home at the end of the day, probably exhausted as we all are, but still feeling fulfilled and, and feeling good about it. I love it. That's so aligned with, we always say people come to a job for money, you know, to put food on the table, but that's not why they stay, um, especially not long-term. So I just love that. So true. So anything else you want to share on this subject? I think, you know, if I can, if I can say one other thing about things that, that breed success, uh, it's to to really build your network and do it consciously and, and spend time around people who are smarter than you are and have skills that you don't have or that you maybe aren't as good at as, as you'd like to be. Having people around you who support you and teach you and then you know having this network that evolves where there's a, a great balance between what you get and what you give is a huge part of becoming better and more fulfilled in what we're doing. Yes, I love it. Wonderful. Well, you've clearly been influenced by a lot of positivity in your career. I always like to ask our guests uh, so that our listeners can get to know them a little bit better. You know, what's some of the best personal or professional advice you've received in your career, Bonnie? I think two things, Kim, that that really um, resonated with me early on and that I still hear in my head at the most appropriate moments are uh, kind of what we just talked about, which is surround yourself with people who are smarter, stronger, or better than you are. Build that network and, and make it a, a, a genuine and balanced give and take. The other is, you know, for those of, of you who may have partners or are considering bringing on a partner or bringing in new associates, Keep in mind that you you want someone who's who's complementary and that you're going to get along with and that you share your core values and, and true vision with, but you don't want someone who's going to agree with you all the time. If you, uh, I think the way my one of my early mentors put it to me was, if you've got two partners and you agree on everything all the time, you've got one too many partners. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Because you learn and grow with different people around you. That's so terrific. And other people's perspective is can be so rich for your own life. Absolutely. We've all got to be challenged and, and need to be 
uh, tested on what we think we know sometimes, because as it turns out, we may not always know what we think we do. <laughs> Very true, true. <laughs> and what about a quote? Do you have a favorite quote? I, you know, I, I love one of the quotes that, that I actually have here in my office and that I, that I love is by Albert Einstein. And it says that we can't solve the problems of tomorrow with the same thinking that we had when we created these problems. So I, I think it's all about being open-minded and looking forward and, and ready to accept change when it's necessary. Absolutely. Our mind, our thoughts are the, the whole beginning of it. So that's terrific. So shifting our mindset around that can help us solve the problems. I love that quote too. It's, one, it's a great one. Yeah. So Bonnie, how can our listeners learn more about you and your magazine? Well, there's a, there's a few ways. Um, the Progressive Dentist is, uh, of course, a publication. We also have an associated business network, which is a connected group of geographically exclusive areas, um, dentist and geographically exclusive areas that we talk about the business of running a practice. And so plugging into those, um, the magazine and maybe applying for membership in the business network are some great ways to get connected with other people who are trying to do the things that you're trying to do. Um, you can find us online to do either of those. And the website is theprodentist.com. So theprodentist.com. And you can also find us on Twitter. We are at ProDentist and also on Facebook, which um, is the ProDentist as well. Okay, terrific. So it sounds like you have, I love this online, you have the online publication and then you have the online forums, the geographic forums, and then you also have a print publication. Is that correct? That's true. So the, the publication is printed on a quarterly basis. There's actually five per year because there's an extra issue in there somewhere. But in any of the months that we're not printing a publication, we have a, a, an email conversation that continues based on what our most popular topics about marketing or social media or leadership or um, even practice differentiation. There's, you know, whatever most, most resonates with our subscribers during that edition is what we'll talk about in between before the release of the next printed edition. So it's, um, it's a good ongoing conversation in a lot of different areas. And I'd love for the listeners of this podcast to take a look and see what we have to offer. Wonderful. Well, I will put the, all the links, of course, to your website and your social media on our episode notes page on our website. And um, I just, Bonnie, you've just given us so much great information about how doctors can be thinking about practice differentiation. I think that you've given them a lot of food for thought. So I thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's always great to talk with you and um, hope there's some things that people can take away from here and go and uh, establish their, their visions. Wonderful. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Practice Mastery Podcast. For more information on Fortune Management and to find an event in your area, please visit fortunemgmt.com. 